Hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice Episode 18, my interview with ceramic artist Clark Marshall. Clark's main focus when it comes to dinnerware is to create a canvas for the chef. A custom plate says something that plain, white, factory-made dinnerware simply doesn't. It says the chef cares about the food enough to customize how it's presented. Dining at a high level should be an extrasensory experience. It should include sound, taste, touch, sight, and smell. And Clark's work is certainly part of a unique experience in fine dining. Okay, enjoy it. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Blue Chic. Blue Sheet creates WordPress website themes and design templates that have helped tens of thousands of entrepreneurs build a beautiful online presence. For those of us who are professional creatives, it's so important to have a website that looks and feels as artful as the art you make. But we all know it's easier said than done. When I found Blue Chic a few years ago, I was blown away by their gorgeous themes and purchased mine without hesitation. I had absolutely no web design experience or skills, but Blue Chic's amazing documentation empowered me to build a site I can really be proud of. Head to www.bluchic.com to see which theme works best for you and use promo code BCARTIFICE for 10% off your purchase today. You comfy? I am comfy. You ready to go? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Let's get let's get meandering. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so I usually like to kind of try to like accomplish three sections. Sure. So I like to start with like how did you get how did you gain your skills? How did you kind of like become a creative person? Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe talk about kind of like what's it like hustling as a professional artist? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Kind of what are you doing? How do you make money? Um, and then maybe kind of get into the weeds of like what's, you know, vulnerable about being an artist, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But we can change orders. We can go anywhere. We can skip things. Yeah. So um, usually I like to just start like s- sincerely from the beginning. So when you sure. were like a little kid, how did you start doing creative stuff? Or like, what was that like in your family or for you as a child? Um, I always had creative leanings. Um, for better or worse, the education system is like, it's it's like, 10 or 10 or 12 years of gen ed you know what i mean like you you know every you know you have 20 minutes of art every day you had you know an hour of math and yeah and so i always enjoyed the creative side um although i again from an early age you sort of have this impression that if you can't draw something the way that it looks then you're not meant to be an artist yeah and so you know i don't know that my that my cotton Santa Claus was any better than like my neighbor's <laughs> cotton Santa Claus. Yeah. If anything, I always felt, and I'm, I'm, this is a good generalization, but I felt like those types of activities that required a little bit of structure and a little, you know, in hindsight, we describe it as like left brain 
Yeah. You know, it was always the girls with the nice cursive that had mm. the best Santas. Mm. And so n- nothing about that screamed like, you know, do that for a living. But yeah. I, I did notice if there was an art club or something after school, I always wanted to be there. Um, what about at home? Uh, guitar lessons early on, you know, the, cool. it's like whatever I was into music wise, I was trying to mimic in some way. And um, how old were you when you started guitar? Uh, I was probably like 10 or 11, somewhere in cool. there. I, I had lessons. Um, my parents were, I had to be clear that I grew up in a, in a fairly creative family. Like okay. that, that was appreciated. I think so. that is like really important. Yeah. And it's not. Or uh, at least notable. Well, and I have to say that Utah, for all of its quirks, you know, it's it's almost uncommon in Utah to grow up without something like that in the home. Yeah. Whether it's vo- voice lessons or piano lessons or, uh, you know, th- th- there's, yeah, there's there's always something happening some in the home. Music which is, lessons going on. Yeah, and so, you know, my parents. This is when what Les Mis, Cats, and Phantom ruled the world. You yeah. know, my parents took me to those. I actually got to see those in London when I was like 12, Amazing. you know, and that, that's still when like the best casts out there were yeah. in those, they were in those three uh, musicals and there was lots of Beatles playing in the home. So there was always like music. I think my dad had a guitar from college that he still kept around every once in a while. So, um, you know, but it was really, it, it really ends up being at least in the U.S. school system or the way they do it in Utah, I guess I should specify. Yeah. It's really when you get into junior high and high school and you get to choose your classes. Yeah. Right. So my yeah. electives were, uh, it's kind of interesting. My very first electives were actually not art classes. Interesting. Mine were, my parents had taken me to pick up my brother from his mission in Milan, Italy. So I was 12 and I got to go to Milan for or Italy for a week. And my dad was a missionary in Germany. So I got to go to Germany for a week and my mom taught English. And, cool. and had she done a PhD, it would have been in Shakespeare. So we got to go to Sweet. London for a week. So somewhere in there, I, I got I caught the travel bug, which I still yeah. have. About every two years, I hopped the pond in some way, shape or That's form. That's great. Um, so, but yeah, eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there, I started taking, you know, mostly, most of my electives were either, you know, music or... Um, 2D art, my speciality of pottery was more of a high school thing. That was more of a okay. rite of passage at my particular high school. But rewinding, I had four older brothers and whatever classes they got into in high school, yeah. the stuff they'd bring home got sure. me excited as yeah. a kid. So most of them at some point did wheel thrown pottery. And so I knew from a young age that when that was available to yeah. me, I would, I would take it. That's so interesting. Your, your four brothers all did pottery uh, I, there were one was kind of and i'm not it's not a uh, it's not a euphemism he was a choir boy he was literally in the choir uh, yeah. so I, I think i think he was the only one that didn't because all of his electives were music yeah um but yeah the others uh, made it a point and and one of them t- in particular the middle child his name's kip um he even went as far as to get really fanatical about mixing his own glazes and stuff, which is kind cool. of unheard of for yeah. a high school student That's to, awesome. to not only get into pottery, but get into like the chemistry of pottery, which is usually something you don't tackle to yeah. get into college. Um, pottery, I think is something that's inaccessible to a lot of young people because it requires yes. equipment and things right. um, that are hard to get a hold of. So that's, I mean, do you like, do you have thoughts about that? Like in terms of, you know, Fate. Like luck or yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I do. Um, mo- mostly because my understanding of it is um, for a state, and I understand this is fairly unique to Utah, that 
most high schools do have wheel thrown pottery of hmm. some kind. And it, I'm and not it, from here. I did not know right. that. Right. So, it, and it might be in some of the smaller programs, there might just be like, you know, six wheels for 30 kids and mm. they sort of rotate on and off. But then there's um, where I used to teach at, at both Provo High and Copper Hills in West Jordan. Um, you know, at Copper Hills, we had a wheel per student. It was literally like wow. they, they had their own desk. It was kind of like they were a pottery school. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. It was, and and um, the instruction I gave was at least with regards to wheel throwing. You know, typically they didn't. You wouldn't get until college. I think in most areas uh, of the country. So that was unique. Yeah. And and my teacher in particular, speaking of fate, was uh, Utah State University up in Logan has this like. Between Larry Elsner, who was a ceramic sculptor, and John Neely, who's more um, um, focused on like Japanese style traditional pottery, mm. between the two of them, I think we're we're pushing like a sixty year tradition now, wow. and, and it's considered one of the best clay yeah. schools in the nation wow. for for what they do. I so had no idea. Yeah, and I, I oddly, I've just always had this thing that I was going to go to Utah State. I think even before the the whole obsession with clay, just something about leaving home for college, but not yeah. quite leaving the state sure. was like, that was like yeah. the best option. And I think I, that's I, really common. Yeah. A lot I, of people and I didn't want to go to Cedar city. That was the other kind of college yeah. that was far away. A couple of hours. Yeah. So I kind of always knew, but, but he was a USU alumnus. Um, and just like quirk of fate that he decided he, he, he felt his contribution was more valuable at the high school hmm. level. Still to this day, one of the most talented and skilled, um, potters that I know. Wow. Um, and he's retired now and moved back home, uh, Montana. And, uh, you know, I still see videos of him throwing every once in a while. And I, I just think how incredibly fortunate that high school students had access to that level yeah. of, of skill. It yeah. would almost be like a, think of in par, like a former violinist, a violinist from say Juilliard or somebody that had played yeah. with the Philharmonic in, in, you know, London or something decided to just teach high school. Yeah. That's you know? amazing. And of course you yeah. would have, you would have that a plethora kind of, of people fate. coming out of that program every year. And, yeah. um, so yeah, so that, that is luck. I but. have questions about this. So did, do you feel like, you know, if you hadn't been in this situation where you had, you know, these exceptional pottery influences, do you feel like you, I mean, I think I probably can guess the answer, but do you feel like you would have found, you would have been doing something in art regardless? Um, yeah, because, um, you know, the other thing that I sort of matched with was I, I did as much drumline as pottery when I was in high yeah. school. Um, although, you know, the, my, my hang-up with music was that everybody and their dogs that, that was doing music with me had been doing piano since they were three mm-hmm. and I'd done it for like a month. Yeah, and, so they and, had some like vocabulary. Maybe yeah. And I'd done it for like skills. a month and told my parents, I don't want to go anymore. my parents weren't, you know, there was only so many battles they were willing to fight in sure. those areas. Yeah. So, um, you know, literally my, my in ninth grade, I transferred into the percussion class cause I wanted to learn. It was really because of drumline, right? It was two yeah. sticks and a drum. And, but you've, you were, of course, expected to understand the keyboard as well. And literally, my teacher sat me down yeah. and he said, every good boy does fine. And, mm-hmm. da, 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 and he goes, okay. Yeah. And then he said, you just need to get to where that's second nature. And he says, good luck. You know? And then he goes yeah. to the other room and he was working with, I think he was working with kids that were going to some kind of national exhibition that sure. year. Yeah. So that was literally the f- two-minute music lesson that yeah. I got. So by the time I graduated from high school, it was just clear to me that I was something like 15 years behind. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that it was impossible, yeah. but just the, like, was I willing to tackle 
you know, 15 years in, you know, as an undergraduate, you know, I'd be tackling the challenge of the work that they would give you anyway, on top of really, I totally get that learning the music. So that, that was something I think I would have gravitated, gravitated towards one way or the other undergrad. A lot of my emphasis in art was in uh, figure, figure drawing and figure sculpting. Okay, cool. Um, so one one way or the other, I I think I would have had my hands on clay and and been dirty somehow. Yeah. Been wearing the (laughs) patched up jeans. Yeah. Um, um, I like to ask people, you know, what they think about the origins of creativity. And I tend to feel, I teach a lot of like younger kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tend to feel like if a child, I think all children are capable of creativity. I think all humans are capable of creativity. I think some children are more like determined than other children mm-hmm. to be involved in creativity. And I tend to feel like, you know, prodigy or even, you know, natural ability in any kind of given medium is less common than just like the child learns what is at their fingertips, you know, whether that's piano lessons, whether that's, you know, mom's a great artist. And so there are like visual art tools around. What do you think? Um, yes. (laughs) It's like, um, uh, really influential, at least on how I view this particular topic, is Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Yes, I have read it. Be- well, because I did, you know, my my sort of coming of age book, you know, in the '90s for most people, it was Catcher in the Rye, which mm. I still haven't read. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, mine was The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. You know, this idea of like the hero artist, and mm. that resonated with me because, you know, I'm I'm not knocking it. I, I just feel like I'm painting a picture. I grew up in. LDS culture where most men are still a la kind of Jane Austen still sort of expected to be like the provider yeah. and just nothing about being a musician screams sure. six figures and, and being able to afford seven kids. Yeah. And so, you know, most of my friends that I went to school with, even the ones that were talented in pottery all sort of went into yeah. MBA or PhD or MD or anything that sort of any, <laughs> anything that paid better than being a yeah. musician and an artist. Um, so that that came into play at some point, but yeah. backtracking to Malcolm Gladwell's thing, I, I always had this impression that there was such a thing as just talent. But you read his book, and he even makes the point about Mozart. He's like, well, yeah. you know, Mozart had... A, I mean, a yeah, he wrote an opera at adults. Severin, but if you yeah. ever look at the opera he wrote when it's kind of his garbage, <laughs> and, and it took him till he was yeah. 20 or 21, but he was already a practicing working... From, you know, you get... I don't know that the 10,000 hours thing is like accurate to like the hour. Yeah. Yeah, But, but the concept is correct that there's a certain amount of the time that you just need Mm -hmm. to like train the muscle memory and the brain and the gray matter to like, to like get it nailed. And then, um, you know, I feel that way about pottery. I feel like it took me 10 years to really start cranking out stuff that I was like, wow, that's cool. You know, whereas everything else was like, you know, like, yeah, this is cool, but you know, and, and it sort of takes time to where, um, you know, you get to where, whether the instrument or, or the medium in my case is just sort of an extension of what you're thinking. So you yeah. visualize something and work on it. And then what comes out of the kiln is more or less what I was envisioning. Yeah. So it, it, there was like 10 years there where, yeah. where I just sort of like, you know, and so again, backtracking to your point, your question is like, you know, I had access to a great program and a great teacher from the age of, of 16, which is mm. kind of rare. Yeah. I, I feel like the work I was putting out 
my second or third year of college is what a lot of people end up with towards the end of their master's program. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just saying it just is what it is. It is what it is. And there's, and there's time. So, um, yeah, uh, again, we're meandering, but that's the whole point. Right. But that's, that's sort of how I see it, that there's, I, I, another great example, I did my, my, I have two master's degrees. My first was in art history. And one of the sculptors that I was really fascinated with is kind of generation and a half, roughly two generations after Michelangelo was the artist Bernini, the sculptor. Okay. He had his first papal commission at age 11. Wow. Uh, and again, you look at it and as far and as papal like, commissions okay. <laughs> go, it's like, hey, that's impressive for an 11 year old, yeah. right? But it's not anything that would be in a museum if it wasn't it. If it, if it wasn't, wasn't his, yeah, it's kind right? of sure. But but again, what you see there, and by the age of twenty one, twenty two, he's doing these pieces that we still study. Well, mm-hmm. it's because his dad was a papal sculptor, so yeah. he grew up around drawings and um, honestly, a lot of sculpting, uh, subtractive sculpture yeah. like that is actually has a lot more to do with spatial reasoning and drawing than than we sort of let on, yeah. right? So he spent three years in the Vatican just sketching every last thing he could find. And then his dad was training him how to use marble and pick out marble. So from a very young age, he had access to all those things that made him, you know, and by the time he died, he was pretty well had a monopoly on all the sculpture in Rome. He's not a prodigy. He just was a head, just a big head start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think his one rival, you know, uh, ended up committing suicide out of frustration. Oh man. At least that's the story. Well, that's one thing that's, I guess, good about, our kind of like global world is we don't have one rival, you right, know, you, right. have to, you have to maybe uh, negotiate that like comparison game in like right. a healthier way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was one Pope back then, yeah, you know, and there was one Rome. And if that would be, I hadn't thought about that before, but that would be, that would be maybe like a little heartbreaking. Yeah, so. sure. I get that. So I do want to say, I, I actually, I've had several people that I've interviewed who mentioned like these kind of gender role things as mm. it applies to art. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's something that I, I always think about after the interview and think like, we should just say something about it. And I feel like you're a person I can say something about it with and to, sure. I bet we're on the same page about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that like, there are a million reasons why like gender roles in marriage are not effective. <laughs> uh, however, I feel like I have like a special kind of tie to this idea of like artists. Um, And I think like if you are a person who's like drawn toward art or if you're a person who's drawn toward science, you know, having these kind of like this baggage around like what you dependent on your gender are supposed to do. Right. Is, is so problematic. Sure. Um, So I, I just want to like acknowledge this idea that like, you know, I don't know, and maybe get your thoughts. I think, again, we're, we'll probably agree. But, um, you know, if you have a child who's like, you know, really interested in this or that, I just, I don't know. I would like to see us as a culture get better at like not imposing yeah. rules like that. Yeah. Well, um, I guess you'd have to, when you say as a culture, if you mean Utah, if you mean LDS in Utah. I don't know. If I think mean... some of those things are still or U.S. Yeah, US. I mean, we're still essentially yeah. kind of Christian puritanical nation in a lot of ways. Yeah. At least there's you know huge swaths of people that still uh, swing that way. Yeah, I I honestly, uh, I mean, I've really I'm 37 and single and really no commitment or 
you know, I don't, I'm not really dedicated to the idea of ever getting married and I'm totally happy with that, but I was not always happy with that, especially growing up in this culture where, you know, um, I came back from my, I did my first master's degree overseas in Florence and came back. And even at the age of 28, I felt like old. Yeah. (laughs) Like not, you know what I mean? Like that I should have quote unquote done something with myself. And, and again, that's prevalent throughout the U S like we have this like hurry up and I think you're get right. it done kind of thing. Yeah. I don't I wouldn't necessarily pin that all on Utah. But certainly feeling old with regards to whether or not you're married at twenty eight is very definitely yeah. like a Utah I didn't culture. Go to thing. school here and I am grateful that I didn't experience that in that way. Right. Right. No, and that because I did go back and take some classes and I was teaching classes and it's so I was like a young professor and again that's not a strange thing elsewhere. Right. It's a little bizarre in Logan, Utah to be 27 and teaching an art history class. Uh, So, and if I'm being honest, a a lot of, I think a lot of decisions I made in my 20s were with that in mind. It's like at some point, will I be a quote unquote provider? Whereas Mm. I've stepped into this world where I just, it's no longer a concern. And so um, I finally, I like to use the expression, cut the cord. You know, I was teaching full-time right up until last uh, June. Um, and I just decided, you know, precisely because I'm young and single, and again, I yeah. see I've changed my thinking. I still consider myself quite young and single. You are. Yeah, I am, yeah. no, right. But uh, but again, to have internalized that to where I actually believe yeah. it, I'm not just saying well, it because I, I get like to that because I also am... In, am and like internalizing the feeling that I don't need to have mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I get it. I mm-hmm. I understand. Well, and I, but it's precisely because I'm still in that situation that I thought, you know, I can always teach. Like I'm always going to have, yeah. I didn't renew my cert, my teaching certificate because I don't plan on using it anytime soon. But it's just like, no, I can always, yeah. I, there's the white picket fence is always waiting for you if yeah. you want it. You know? Well, furthermore, I mean, I just think it's such a small box to be thinking in. Like, you know, if you, if you want to be in like a, a, a long-term partnership or a marriage, uh, either, you know, either person can make any sort of money doing any sort of thing. Um, I, I hate to see young people and, and, you know, any people, adults, any yeah. people <laughs> making decisions based on like some hypothetical that isn't even like, you know, yeah. well f- fleshed out. Yeah. No. And, and like I said, it's if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest about my twenties, I, I did allow not all of them. I, I'm happy to say not all of my, yeah. I mean, going to Italy yeah. as, as a single Mormon guy, uh, you know, there's just not that many yeah. young people in Italy to, to marry. And yeah. and so that was really just me. Like I, I just told myself I was going and I went, um, you know, but there was other decisions here and there. Yeah. I, th- I think coming back to Utah after grad school, part of it really said, you know, there was something in mm-hmm. that world of, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still single. I gotta, if I go straight to Boston for a PhD or yeah. wherever, then maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I don't find, the quote unquote right person. And I mean, w- w- I remember the week I let all that go, like yeah. really let it go. Yeah. And there's one thing to say through gritted teeth, I don't care, but y- you know, you yeah. do when that's the case. But uh, the week when I really just sort of, 
Oh, I, I, I kind of use this, I have this visual of like, you know, letting all 500 yards of the kite string out and then just cutting yeah. the str- and just mm. watching the kite float yeah. off. And so that, when I finally just really, that was what happened. And then I got to make decisions based on yeah. just other things. And oddly, I, I still ended up in Utah, but it's because I found Salt Lake and it's like, wow, this yeah. is the city is going through a super cool transition over the last 10 years. And I actually have a, um, some friends I know through the industry, through the uh, food and wine industry and restaurants. And he's an architect for one of the restaurants I've worked for. Cool. And he's about my age too, but in, in rare form, he's actually got his own architectural firm. Wow. Usually people kind of associate for 10 or 20 years Mm. and then, and then sort of whatever. Um, but at the very young age, very young, successful architect doing quite well. But he, I, th- I think, went to school in Seattle or partially grew up in Seattle. Yeah. And he actually said that about Salt Lake. He said, no, the reason my wife and I stay is because it feels like, you know, what Seattle was all those years ago. That it was this city that was kind of up and coming and budding and, you know, yeah. Boeing and Microsoft hadn't quite become a... I used to want to move there. Know. Yeah, I, I've thought about it as well. I can't do the rain, though. Which, again, irony based on how I don't know if I could. Spring, I've, lived in, I've lived in Arizona and Utah and Texas, so mm. who not, knows, not man? Not much rain. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Dallas does have, like, a f- quite a bit of rain, but it's still, it's still sunny so much. Yeah, East Texas is kind of gulfy, you know. There's yeah. a fair amount of weather there. In any case... Yeah, I I I relate to that a lot. I feel like I also like in in the same way as you, I made some decisions, you know, I got a master's degree in jazz studies in Texas. Right. Uh when I was there there was no one else who was LDS in oh, my... Oh, you went to North Texas? Yeah. Wow. That's like that's I one know, of the, that's I one know. Of the ones. It is one of the ones. It's like that in Berkeley are the two the yep. two biggies, aren't they? Yes, that Good is accurate. Yeah. I don't talk to that many people here who know, so mm. thanks. Well, um, my, my drum instructor did his undergrad at North Texas. Oh, cool. And then, you know, it's like him and then people that ran in his circle. So it was either North, kinda, Te- North Texas or Berkeley. Like those were the two, if you really wanted like. There are more great jazz studies programs now, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I went out there much to the dismay of family. Right. Um, but I also, <laughs> I also, you know, made some, may, I definitely also made decisions that I think have been bad for my career because I was thinking like, I'm not going to be doing, you know, X, Y, Z because I'm going to have kids and be a stay-at-home mom. Um, he will not respond. He doesn't? No. Clark wants Bear to go over. I'm trying over to get the puppy's attention. He's very, he's very non-responsive. <laughs> I've known him two years and oh, he barely gives a crap about me. He's a cutie. Yeah, he's a good boy. <laughs> he's not the most social of dogs. That's fair. I get that. I have those days. I know. I think we're kind of the same. We're Mm. we're a family of introverts. All all three of us. Oh, nice. Bear and me and Andrew all Mm. could sit in separate rooms in the house for a whole weekend and be just happy. Uh, I have a I have a a (laughs) very large short haired tabby. His name's Byron. Love cats. And Byron is uh, is nothing short of a soulmate. We're just the exact person. There is a very large short haired tabby as well. (laughs) He is actually. He does. (laughs) He's got the tiger stripes. He is a cat. He sleeps twenty hours a day. Yeah. See again, which I really relate to. You know, I have like (laughs) twelve hours a day. I'm either meditating or sleeping. Well, when you texted me and said you don't get out of the house before noon, noon, I was like, well, that's relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Somebody's dragging me out on a hike this weekend, and they're like. 
what, you think like eight or nine? I was, I was like, like, tell like, you oh, what. Oh, no. We'll start with, t- I'll start the bidding at 10 a.m. And I've had to learn how to say late morning because I'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, let's meet or talk in the morning. And people are like, you know, eight. And I'm like, oh, that's mm, no. No. Yeah, <laughs> no. My thing is, again, where I taught for so long, I taught off and on for 20 years. And that's just, you know, whether it's summer drumline, which was 7 a.m. sometimes, this stupid early. Or, you know, I, again, I don't understand. My second master's in education, so I go on for days about flaws and yeah. you know, very few conclusive studies done in education. But one of them happens to be the time of day you start school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we wanted kids to succeed, you know, quote unquote, yeah. the way, you know, if we wanted them to test better, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things we changed right away is that they wouldn't go to yeah. school before nine or 10 in the morning. Uh, but again, that doesn't really work with parents' schedules. And that's, that, yeah. let's be honest, that's why it doesn't change. It's not because yeah. of politicians. It's yeah. like we could vote people in that would it's go that whole, route. It's a whole like society thing. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just, you know, probably the last year and a half that that alarm went off at 6.20 in the morning. It was just every morning. It's like, oh, hell no. I'm yeah. just, I'm staying, <laughs> you know, and, and I got, I got, I got really good at having a great dialed excuse as to why I was late. Cause you know, you you're supposed to be there at seven. The kids don't get there till seven thirty-five. So, you know, it's in theory, you had that window, but yeah. I just got great at making up excuses as to why I was a not little bit there late. at yeah. seven. I feel <laughs> that. 15 is like, I don't know, traffic. Yeah. I have, you know. I, I have, was teaching a couple of classes at BYU the last four years mm-hmm. and had to be there on Mondays and Wednesdays at nine. And it was, it did not, it was, didn't feel good. Um, if you and, look at my college transcript. I plan to never do that again. <laughs> I, if it's an A or an A minus on my college transcript, mm-hmm. I know that the class started after 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I can look at my tra- anything, <laughs> even the 10, 30 yeah. classes, I rarely made it. To. And that's where my B's and B minuses. Yeah. Ca- I still graduated something like magna cum laude or whichever, yeah. whichever the second highest one is. It's, like a 385. It is magna. It, yeah, <laughs> magna. And, and you know, in hindsight, I don't, I don't really care. Nobody cares. <laughs> But but where I got the non A is we're the all same. I only classes. had a few A's, barely magna, not yeah. quite summa. Yeah, morning classes, yeah. specifically morning improv classes. Mm. Brain wasn't awake yet. Nope, not even a little. I um, get that. So before we kind of, I'm so interested. I want to hear about like about your degrees and your mm-hmm. adventures. Is there anything else you want to say about just like? you know, creativity as it applies to children, as it applies to like, you know, did you, I, maybe things like, was creativity ever difficult for you? Did you feel like you had to like overcome anything when you were trying to like decide your major, decide Mm. kind of what to go, um, other than this gender baggage, were you wrestling with like, am I good enough? Will I be good enough? Um, or were, were you kind of confident about those things? Um, I've I've always had this weird personal test of like what's ready and what's not, mm. and and I wish I could tell you the criteria, but I, I just it's personal test. You just you know, it's, it's a just, gut feeling. Happen. Yeah. So yeah. I I think I sold a few pieces here and there in high school and early college to sort of like friends, and some money was better than no money. But it, it really it really did took me take me about ten years before not so much that I wasn't confident. I, I think even early on I knew that if I really put myself to it I could make a living doing this. But something like I said, it's this vague personal test I have. Yeah. I'd been doing it for about ten years and I unloaded a kiln one day and everything that came out 
it was like, damn, stuff's cool. Yeah. And that was the moment where I was yeah. like, all right, now I, I think it was in the world of contribution. It's like, that's kind of what I was waiting for was like, yeah. okay, now I can do a consistent product that contributes something to the conversation. And, and I, I say that like in the world of pottery, 99 out of 100 farmers markets, if you go to and you look at the pottery booths, and I'm not going to name names here because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to offend people. But okay, good. Nationwide, <laughs> nationwide, and and here is no exception. There is like this. I call it farmers market pottery. It's a lot of blues. It's a lot of reds. Mm. It's always done on like a dark brown clay. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just it's it's, been, it's, it's being done kind of, and it yeah. has been done. And quite frankly, for the last thirty some odd years, that's kind of. American farmer's market, you know, even arts festival type pottery. So when I finally was producing a product that broke outside of that and I felt was very unique, that was the first time that I said, no, I really need to, you know, actually make an effort to to start selling my work. So that was sort of in this world of like a personal test. As far as picking a major, you ask an interesting question because I actually didn't get a BFA in ceramics. I had the fortune of like such a good high school teacher and I was so fanatical and he was so good about giving me access to the studio that by the time I got to college, I was um, like most Utahns, I was a 21 year old freshman slash sophomore, right? It's, it's a bizarre thing. Yeah, it is a bizarre thing, but that, that was me. And at the same time, I got the job teaching ceramics at Provo High as what they call a paraprofessional. So I was teaching ceramics without a degree. Yeah. So between the ceramics classes that I could take there and at USU, I just felt like I'd already run a ceramics studio. I'd already knew what it was like to order my own ingredients and keep things in stock and just be aware of that and cognizant of all that. And a lot of that is kind of what you might get out of a BFA is formulating glazes and some of these stuff that I'd started doing when I was like 16. So in, in hindsight, would I have been a much better, like more well, well rounded, uh, you know, ceramic artist early on. Yes. But my thing was, if I ended up hating pottery because I had to do it, Yeah. if Mm. if I ended up hating it because I had to do it, I would have never forgiven myself. Whereas when I came back from Italy, I was a religious intern for two years uh, in Rome. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got excited about art history. Yeah. And so when I came back... Okay, so you did a degree in art history. So my undergrad was, was kind of emphasis in art history more than... It was a BA in art history, I think. So I think like the thing that I'm really interested in, you know, I think some people, some people who end up becoming professional artists or people who don't, but who are doing a lot of art in their teen years, kind of wrestle with this question of like, am I an artist or am I like a person who sometimes makes things? True. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of more wondering that. So, you know, even if you're not getting a degree, you're still getting a degree in art history, which right. I think says something about right. your mindset and kind of how you're seeing yourself and your potential. But what do you what do you think? It it's still oddly it's I remember this. It still took me ten years. I was twenty eight when I finally was just like, you know, I tried on the distinction of educator, and I'd say, it's like, what do you do mm-hmm. for a living? It's like, well, I'm a grad student. You know, yeah. I, I always had these different answers, yeah. and then it, I was like twenty eight, twenty nine when I fully was just like, you know, no, that's that's. First of all, you can be an artist and do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can be a mathematician and I mean, say I'm I an artist. I fully agree with that. And you can also be someone who makes pottery, but makes that red 
and blue yeah and art maybe, festival pottery in which case so, and, and i know a lot of potters that consider themselves craftsmen sure and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's maybe not even to say that they don't consider themselves artists but they just prefer that distinction of yeah craftsmen. because some of them will and, and we'll get into this more later but i simply can't sit at a potter's wheel for 12 hours a day mm. a lot of mm. my friends that i consider like true blue potters they really can yeah i'm a like you know because it is it is manual craftsmanship yeah. you know and i can do an hour or two a day in spurts and then i got to do something else yeah and that's just that's just the world i live in and again um you know that but anyway to answer your question we'll, we'll get into more of this stuff later but i it, it took me about 10 years i was i was 28 29 somewhere in there and i just said i just started introducing myself as an artist and so, and it i didn't need the mfa or the or the excuse me yeah. The, yeah the mfa or the bfa and um it it turns out and the reason i wanted to study art history is i thought you know if i end up hating art history i'll be fine yeah if I end up hating pottery, I'll never forgive myself. Mm. And that's totally what's happened. I, I yeah. taught my last art history class a few years ago. And by the time I yeah. was done, I was, it, it by was the time over. I was forgetting yeah. my own like lecture notes. Yeah. Like I'm like looking You're on like, this, this paper. It's I was, time like, for I don't this chapter know, to I, close. Like, this bullet point. I don't even know what that is. You know, like yeah. I just, you know, just so, the energy went somewhere else. Where did you get that confidence though? I mean, uh, yeah, I, cause I, the thing that I find, and maybe I find this because I teach a lot of teenagers who are very talented, you know, and talent, I, I don't mean talent, like it's a gift. I mean, like they're skilled. Yeah, they're, um, they they've could, been at it for a while. They could become professional musicians. And I f also fully agree with kind of what you're saying of like, even if you have the ability to like, you know, make a living at an art it doesn't mean that's the choice you need to make. Right, right. Um, but I hate it when my students make the decision not to become musicians because they think they're not musicians. Right. So I, that's something that I, I think I'm just personally interested in. Sure. What's the difference between the kid that says like, nah, I got to be practical or I don't think I really, you know, and makes a choice. Cause you still made that choice to like, sure. so, you know, in between when you're 16 and when you're 18, do you know, is, do you feel like it's like a personality thing where you're just like one foot in front of the other? Were you thinking like, did you have, I think my question is like, did you have doubt? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, it took me 10 years to identify as an artist. It took me 20 years to say, I want to do this for a living. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you were like, Oh, I've been doing it now yeah, for well, and, some time. And, or? Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's all, that's not so much in the world that I didn't feel like I could. It was whether or not I wanted to tackle the hustle. Yeah. That business end stuff. Yeah. That's, and I I'm find still, that and I'm still, I mean, there's days where I feel like I'm drowning like an idiot, yeah. but, but I also got to this point where Teaching for me was never a compromise. It, it was something I loved yeah. doing. And love for the years too. that I loved doing it, it was authentic. And mm -hmm. probably the last two, two and a half years I taught at, at the high school level. Um, I, I, again, on a personal note, I had barometers. Like there's some things I'm just not going to let drop. Like I would teach all students how to throw on the wheel. Mm -hmm. and, and all students got that experience that this incredibly complex craft. Yeah. Um, I tried they, they it like one time and I have just like this very small like sense of failure. Right. And I feel like I'm a person who like typically like art things sure. come a little more naturally to me than maybe to some people. And, and I really couldn't, you know, yeah. 
I did not have a a successful experience with that. (laughs) Probably more, and I used to tell my students this, probably more than any other craft. Uh, Great example is drawing or painting. Yeah. One-year-olds can paint. Yeah, singing is all they have to do is is grasp the paintbrush and dip it, and and you're painting. Yeah, that doesn't make it good painting. That doesn't mean there aren't principles and elements of design and art that you need to learn to become a good professional painter. But you are painting. But the craft, it's yeah, you're painting. And and I used to say this, and this is my other analogy was, you know, uh, humans will crawl long enough. And, and, you know, we always say like, oh, I'm teaching her to walk. And I think, I don't think it's like 300,000 years of evolution. Pretty sure they're going to learn to walk on their own. Like just give them them long enough and they'll, (laughs) that's just the natural thing. And I used to say, think about it. There's nothing natural about getting a flat surface that spins at a consistent rate. And then you take this muck out of the ground that's elastic enough to respond to what you're doing. And then you brace and hold still in such a way at the right rate that you yeah. have this empty vessel. Totally. I was just like, there's nothing natural about that. So um, for me, you know, maybe on par with like art welding or, or um, you know, glass blowing, th- these are crafts that take so much more time to actually be able to make anything yeah. that recognizable. Yeah. And, and then you have to bridge that gap between, again, like I was saying earlier, is what you imagine and envision in your head actually manifest, fully yeah. manifesting itself. And I still have my days where it's like, oh, yeah. I got that recipe wrong. That's yeah. the wrong color blue. You know, yeah. it's not even close. Um, and then I have other days where everything that comes out of the kiln, I was like, yeah, I think That's great. I, I might yeah. do this for a living, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. So, I, it, it, yeah. and this is going back to my earlier point here is my last two years teaching – I still wanted them to have the good experience of throwing on the wheel. But when it came to bureaucratic stuff, they wanted X amount of pieces. Yeah. You know, the department wanted X amount of pieces in the state show or whatever. I, I just really stopped caring. Yeah. And and I get that that's part of the gig. And so probably the I last year or two that I taught were less authentic. It was yeah. a little bit more not knowing what I wanted to do next. And I'd gotten used to the paycheck um, but, but then, but you know, especially that last year I taught, I'd fully realized that, okay, for lack of a better term, I don't have a choice now. Like the one game yeah. I'm excited to tackle is this weird world of making a living off of your art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm fortunate enough to <laughs> like $20 in cat food every month, you know, probably 30, 40 after you pay for litter yeah. and, as long as my cat's taken care of yeah. and, and I've got food on my table, even if it's, uh, you know, bulk, yeah. bulk stuff from Costco, um, I'm okay. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think the bare minimum game is going to excite me much longer. Mm. Uh, I'm sort of stepping into this world like, okay, how do I yeah. start creating a team and expanding yeah. That's what great. it is that I'm doing? But, you know, even just the sort of freelance self-employed world, I've really enjoyed it. You know, sometimes I I work till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And yes, it feels so good. I know. And I never have to worry because sometimes even when I was teaching, I'd get excited about a project and I would be up until, you know, Mm -hmm. the janitors Mm -hmm. are kicking me Mm -hmm. out at the high school at at one in the morning. Yes. And, uh, you know, and then I'd have to worry. I was like, crap, I got to drive all the way to downtown Salt Lake and fall asleep back up at 6 a.m. And. You know, you have to yeah. worry about only getting four hours right. of sleep because yeah. you're passionate about two things. You want to be a, a good sure. employee and a good. I relate to that know. really so a lot. I just love yeah. being able to sort of 
you know, what is it, Monday night and it's 4 a.m. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. I don't have to get up tomorrow. I'll mm-hmm. just keep working. So, yes. You know, what do you do? It's, it's fun for me anyways. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, yes, I agree with all of that and feel <laughs> the same and yeah. we're the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's like, you know, I, I think like the things that I'm really interested in are like these, these background things. Like, yeah. you know, people can look at you and be like, oh, you're a professional artist. Wow. That's so, you know, whatever they see the products. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in like, what are the stories that are behind that? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, like, I get the sense that you maybe know what's interesting about your own life. So, um, so what is note noteworthy in terms of like your formation as an artist, like, you know, any of that kind of inward stuff about like your, your master's degree time, master's degrees time. Um, you mean as it relates to what I'm doing now or, or as it relates to like who you are now? Yeah. I, I think, um, as it relates to like, you know, who you've become in terms of like aesthetic or your your formation as an artist. I, I certainly, I, I think the conclusion that I've come to, and, um, this is another great thinker. He's a lot like Malcolm Gladwell is a guy, Gladwell is a guy named Nicholas Taleb. He wrote a book called the black swan. Cool. Um, and another book called anti-fragile. Anyway, I'm a huge fan, but He's always wary of, of this thing we do as humans where we connect the dots in hindsight. Yeah. Because it may, or may, not, about that it may or may not be true that that's well. how it needed, quote unquote, needed to happen. We need but stories we sometimes. Do. No, yeah. And, 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 and by way of summary, I think it's it's often appropriate. I just think it's nice that you can distinguish like, okay, this yeah. is the story I'm telling about my life right now. Absolutely. And so the story I tell about my life right now was that if I had tried to just particularly coming out of, again, the very gender specific LDS, yeah. you know, I just, I just, the only way I describe it to people out of state is it's just think Jane Austen, right? That's, yeah. that's Provo, Utah. And that's, it's very, yeah. so coming out of that world, um, I don't know that I would have, I would have ever had like the gumption at like 21 to just say, no, I'm just going to be a potter. Yeah. And I'll okay. wait, I'll wait tables as like a potter until, yeah, just, well, yeah. And, and again, I, I, it wasn't a total sellout move because I did enjoy school. I wanted yeah. to study languages. I wanted to travel and, you know, study abroad programs. Like yeah. school provided the structure for all that. So it wasn't, it was never this huge sellout, but in hindsight, I, I don't think I really had like, you know, the, 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 I gumption's like a good word for that to just say like, Oh no, I'm just going to wait tables and throw pots until Yeah, I was a comp- like really young. I was a competitive rock climber. That's kind of the only sport I've ever cool. done. And some of the dudes that I, um, rock climbed with are, you know, some of the probably best 15 or 20 people in the world. Now, one of them won, wow. uh, American Ninja Warrior, you know, Sweet. but, but I happen to know that the dude, you know, like he'll wait tables up here when it's warm enough to climb up yeah. here. And live in his van. It's all like And then a, he would like drive to yeah. St. George in the winter and wait tables at St. George yeah. and boulder down there and save his money and then boulder in France yeah. and then come back. And, yeah, you know, it, those choices. are lifestyle yeah. choices and lifestyle sports. And um, it was the same thing. Like, there, there, could I have just like taken the plunge at 21 and become yeah. a full-time artist and sort of supplement? Yeah. I don't supplement my income currently. I, I may in the future, you know, if I'm saving for an expensive piece of equipment, I may... Yeah hop back into the restaurant sure. scene or whatever, yeah. but I don't, 
I don't see that as a compromise. It's more like a goal oriented. Yes. Uh, it's a, inclusion. it's project management. Yeah. It's project management. Yeah. And so, but the story I tell about my life where I stand now is that if I hadn't done everything that I've done, I think I'd be in this world of, this, I hate, I hate this expression, but the struggling artist, you know, I have moments where I'm like, yeah. wow, I, I literally have $50 left in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> and until this check comes yeah. from said resort, like yeah. I can't pay my rent, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I don't, I've learned not to stress about it or struggle. I'm yeah. just more like, I'm always in this like solution yeah. finding mode. Yeah. But I, I, I think if I were to live in the world that I live in now, and if I even had an inkling that like, Hey, you know what? Master's degree in art history would have been cool. Or teaching yeah. might have been fun, or college professor yeah. might have been fun. I I think if I hadn't closed all those doors, yeah, in, in it, you know defi- definitively, saying. yeah, that because when I have a rough day now, I just accept it as like this is this is the, the this terms is, of the game, right? Like this, these are the rules of the game that I've accepted. Yeah, that you know sometimes I bill a resort and it takes them a month to get it to me. Yeah. That's just bureaucracy. That's life. Yeah. And gratefully I have um a great line of credit like I have yeah. zero APR for x amount of thousands yeah. of whatever and I I use that plenty. And uh again and pottery is incredibly expensive on the front end yeah. like the equipment is just Lots so expensive up front. Yeah. yeah, up front. Yeah. Oh, I I mean I've got a a hydraulic press that I'm looking at for the sake of doing more designing and as opposed to less hands-on craftsmanship, just more designing, even a refurbished one, they're 15 K. And and this is one of those things you pretty well buy in cash. Like, you you know, people aren't going to take a credit card for that. If it's, if it's like a hobby, whoever out of their garage that just happened to have the money, they're not going to take a Amex for that, you know? So you, you know, so, but I've, I've learned to sort of manage my money and deal with all that. And I think moving forward, it's just another, but again, I just look at it as like conditions of the game. I don't think that would be the case if I thought, yeah, you know, there's a lot of scholarships for master's degrees. Why didn't I just do that? You know, and I could have studied in Florence and, but I've, I've really checked all those boxes now and it's like, no, this is, this is authentically the world I love being in right now, but I don't know that that'd be the case otherwise. I, I relate to that too. Like when people ask me like about, you know, when people ask me these kinds of questions, like how did I decide to major in jazz studies? I also feel like who knows what was going on in my 18 year old mind. Like (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to do a lot of things, but like, you know, as we're having this conversation, like, like I said, I, I feel like I've never had this conversation with someone who started off in that, like really Mormon gender roles type of mindset and then isn't still. Right. Um, and the thing that happened for me is like, I loved school. I like was very kind of goal driven. Um, and I had this really weird fear, um, which I think probably was verbalized to me by Mm -hmm. my parents Mm -hmm. and also is true of their marriage. Um, but that if I didn't like get scholarships or have money, and it never got to a point where like we had to choose between like my hypothetical husband's degree and my degree, <laughs> I wouldn't get one. And so I was like obsessed with saving mm-hmm. and obsessed with like getting scholarships from such young age. Cause I was like, I don't want to just get a bachelor's degree. I want to go to grad school. Like that right. was something that I cared about as like such a young person Sure. that like, I was so like obsessed with this idea and like scared about it that like I had like $30,000 in the bank when I finished grad wow. school. <laughs> wow. I wish I'd have done that. But I'm just saying like, you know, 
And then, and then like, once I did that, I, I talked about this on another, on someone else's podcast recently, but I had, I had $200,000 saved when Andrew, my husband finished his PhD. Um, and I'm a professional musician and I haven't made like a non-music dollar in like, since I was 22. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, and all this is just to say, like, we just, we just have like the things we have and just like it's so bizarre, you know, like all of our stories are just like, who knows? But like, that's how I like managed that baggage. Well, I was going to say, I wish my story had more to do with saving money than spending it. Well, I was so, I was just scared that I wasn't going to, that I couldn't have an identity unless I could like literally pay for it. Right. Yeah. That's Um, fair. Well, it is what it is. You know, we're all sort of a product of our. Yes. But I love that you're like acknowledging that, you know, I, I feel like it's like, those things are so, it's not a talent thing. It's not even necessarily a hustle thing. It's like this right. weird soup of like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, way to put it. yeah, I mean, your, your fears. And that's kind of why I'm wondering, like, you seem, you seem like you've made a lot of these kind of big decisions. So just so I know you, you got a master's degree in, in what, where, and then in what, um, where. So my first master's degree was in art history. That was through Syracuse University in New York, but okay. they have a Florence campus. Okay. So so in, I was in Florence for about a year and a half, finishing off my first MA in art history. Yeah. And then the other one. Then the second one was an afterthought. Uh, I was certifying. Master's degree in afterthought. Yeah. Second <laughs> master's degree in afterthought. Um, I was certifying to get, I was getting my teacher certification in, um, uh, in the state of Utah and USU is one oh, of Oh, that's the, right. You said education. You yeah. Said that. So USU has a, a top, eh, top 35 yeah. school for education. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a elementary school right there on campus cool. and yeah. you know, they, they have great, uh, upper level PhDs writing a lot of stuff and publishing and so on. And so, you, and you have your own studio and you're doing this full time. I mean, the, uh, from my perspective, all of those things seem like such kind of big, confident decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of just wondering, like, how, where did, where was that coming from? Or, and, or, you know, maybe like up until now and including now, if you want, what are the things that are like, do you have other, other than just like practical, like, can I buy this thing? Right. Um, do you have like, any any gut wrenching like art art fears art scars hmm. or are you just like are are you are you baggage free with the actual uh, with the actual creation um i i got really fortunate of, of all people my family's chiropractor from when i was like a kid uh we sort of kept in touch with him over the years and at some point in my early 20s he started coaching me through stresses, stressors. Hmm. Um, and that's really way more than cracking backs now. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's a life coach. And okay. I've, <clears throat> I've met with him hundreds and hundreds of times over the last 15 years. And uh, I've never tried therapy or had a therapist, but uh, you know, I hear mixed reviews. Just I, I'm throwing into that it. out there. And, and that's, <laughs> that's not to poo-poo on it, but just to say that I feel really, really fortunate that I've had somebody the for the last 15 years that I've never left an appointment not feeling mm-hmm. like I got exactly what I needed yeah. in that moment. Um, and so I, it, it just in this world of like coaching and introspection and like really looking at things like that, 
they were bold decisions, but a lot of times it came after like years of coaching yeah. and just at some point you'd say, okay, like I'm ready now. Yeah. And so, um, and he got me into a series of coaching seminars are called uh, landmark education. And so, um, landmark offered this like 10 week seminar on money. And the beauty of it is it was not like a rich dad, poor dad money seminar. And the reason I took it from landmark is I knew that they were going to give me a, a 10 week long introspection about what is my psychological relationship to money. To money. That's what I cared about. Yeah. Because the rich dad, poor dad thing is neat. And, but let's be honest, I think there's plenty of people that try those types of programs yeah. and they're end up, they're just as poor the next year sure. as they were the year before. And, yeah. and they're out the 3000 bucks to yeah. take the stupid yeah. thing in the first place. So I was, I was just more, you know, I'd use that as a, as like a really solid example that one of the biggest fears I had in leaping into full-time artistry mm -hmm. was I didn't have 30 K in the bank. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have a pan yeah. landing pad. I think I had a couple of big commissions that sort of got me m more or less enough money to like buy yeah. the kiln that I have now, Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, a couple of months runway Yeah, and you know, then it was like feet in the fire kind of thing. So, sure. um, I really don't. I, no I guess, art I, guess scars. I, I can just say I'm like Go happily Clark. baggage free. Yeah, that's great. But again, I've I've had I think the right structure for coaching. There's a, a very potent form of of meditation that I started practicing quite a few years ago called transcendental meditation. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of people, and it's not just. I think a lot of people are aware that like Jerry Seinfeld and Howard Stern and some of the yeah, I think a know, lot Ellen of DeGeneres, like, uh, actors, a lot of creators and actors, yeah. but, but if you look in almost any field, most of the people at the top mm. actually do practice mm. TM. Cool. Elon Musk is a great example. Yeah. Uh, of course he's a little batty, but I, I think the dude's able to work hundred hour weeks because yeah. he does TM. Yeah, probably. And I, I've actually have worked 90 hour weeks. Uh, I was, teaching at the university, working, um, you know, this evening adjunct, uh, yeah. working on commissions, getting a, an art show ready and teaching full-time at the high school. And I'd work 90, 95 hour weeks and I didn't get sick, which is yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. in hindsight, but I always made sure that even if I was underslept, that I was never under meditated. Yeah. Um, okay. So cool. that's been a, that's been a great tool as well. That's You're healthy. Just, yeah. Very healthy. Um, self-care is like, <laughs> it's yeah. not a luxury for me. It's like yeah. first place. I mean, I, think that's true for all of us. I think some of us as, as children, I I'm, you know, this is my experience, but I think as children, if you are in a situation as a child where you have to learn to survive in like some kind of scarcity, mm -hmm. whatever kind mm -hmm. of scarcity that may be, you maybe like develop skills wherein you can function better yeah. than maybe some people could more in, effectively in types of scarcity. But it will like go in your spine or it yeah. will go in your heart right. or it will go in your marriage. You know, yeah. something will happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I think self-care is, it's not a luxury for anyone. It's shouldn't it's, be, if, you know, I, I think people look at it that way, but I, I haven't, I haven't been sick. I haven't had like the flu in three and a half years. And again, I credit really good coaching. I just don't yeah. have a lot of stressful thoughts floating around yeah. in my head. And, and quite frankly, the TM and, um, depending on what I'm dealing with, with deadlines and stuff, uh, I actually did their advanced training, which is a little bit less, uh, common. So on a good day, I'm, I'm, I wasn't kidding. I'll sleep 
eight to 10 hours a night yeah. and I'll meditate two to three hours a day. So it's literally one half of my day is resting. Yeah. But you're, you, you know, you're more productive overall. Oh, well, yeah. like I said, I can sit at a wheel for two hours and make 50 plates. Don't yeah. tell my, don't tell my clients that. <laughs> I feel like that's always the, how long does it take you? It's like, well, it takes well, me 21 say, years. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, there's that anecdote about like Picasso, like drawing something on a napkin and, and being he charges like, the, yeah. yeah and uh, saying yeah. like, you're not paying mm-hmm. me for this time. You're paying for the decades it took me to, to get Yeah, he lived until like skill. his 80s or something, yeah. right? Um, no, it, that, that does apply. It, that's the short answer that sort of gets everybody. It's sort of like, it sort of like catches their hand in the cookie jar because yeah. even, even my clients that really understand what it takes and they're fine paying what I'm asking, that question always pops out. It's like, how long, well, how long does each one take you? And, oh man, it's like, and, it's, it's not an hourly billable yeah, service. It's yeah. just not, it's just not what it is. That's just the first thing that pops out of my mouth yeah. now is like 21 years. Yeah. It takes 21 years. Yeah. Um, but, but I exaggerate when I say, you know, two hours on a wheel, I can do that much because I have to get there. I have to wedge the clay. Yeah. Well, yes, and I'm you using, had to buy all this stuff and well, you know, yeah, there's I'm, all this. In, in my world of like minimalism, I don't even, I rarely even glaze my pieces. I formulate my own clay from scratch. So the gray that I use, which is incredibly popular amongst, you know, florists. And it's a lot really of, a lot beautiful. Of I, I was Thank looking you. at your Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, but that's my baby. And that was, that was nine painstaking months of like testing Form- four or five recipes, wow. firing them. And then they came out garbage and then I had to test four. you know, I'm, I literally had like three full boxes of test tiles yeah. for that one gray. And in my world, it's still not there. It's, mm. it's, Visually, it's beautiful. It's very hard to work with. Mm-hmm. So on my end, I have to adjust some things that make it, it you know, usable, uh, A, at a large scale. Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine, uh, you know, a really nice uh, house with, um, you know, tree planters on either side of the front door in that color, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. but I currently it, it does not have the capacity to go to that size. Okay. So there's things like that that I'm constantly yeah. adjusting and... Um, I have a porcelain I've been formulating for a year and a half and it's still not there. Yeah. Um, so there, there's always this like this unseen world that it's just like uh, the, yeah, if, the if, actual if they're being time cool about like it, that you're sitting at the wheel is not the thing. Yeah, it's not. I, get, I really understand that. I get that. Um, well, it's like, you know, the time you're at the piano or singing, you're, it's not it. it you got your warm up. Yeah. You've got, you know, your, your playlist well, and you've got years of. And there's and so much you know. in it, when you're self-employed, especially there's so much time that like you can't like directly bill for, but you have to, you have to build it in. You have to find, yeah, exactly. Um, when you, I mean, even running your Instagram, that takes time. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh hate gosh. it. Yeah. Yeah. I get I it. I mean, that's it. I, I mean, this is this is like an annoying thing of me to say, but like at least you're in a visual medium. You it's know? true. That's true. No, no, I totally feel <laughs> at you. At least you can take pictures of the actual things, and right. you don't have to like somehow be a model, right? As for your Instagram, yeah, I'm very resentful about that every day. No, I get um, it. I, we've all got our little, in a healthy way. I, I yeah. resent plenty, but there's yeah. times where I'm, <laughs> I'm, re, I'm like, you know, you know, I take my old clay scraps. I have to dry them out for a day, and then I wet them back in the water because I, yeah. there's machines you can do all this with. But again, in pottery, like a clay mixer is like eight grand, yeah. like a good one, yeah. And then you got to there's a machine that you sort of it sucks the air out of the clay and compresses it into tubes. 
well, the, the cheap just... one of those. They're three grand. You know, so you're out ten grand. So I just mix it the cheap way right now until I, you know, until that happens. Well, and then that I imagine, comes. you know, with this this until that day comes is like, you know, your business is doing great. You're in high demand. You buy this thing, then your actual overall time is less. But it's right. because you are worth. You're, you know, you're, it's you're charging I dropped 11 grand more. On a, yeah. On yeah. A, so on it's a just, it's a really unfair for people to yeah, act like, yeah. you know, that, that works when like the only thing you're getting paid for is the thing you're doing. Right. And when you're not this kind of like incredible one man show yeah, where like yeah. no one is, no one is seeing that. Um, I would love to talk about like your aesthetic and just sure. anything that you, you know, all of this stuff we're already talking about is like, mm-hmm. what would you want people to know about? Yeah. Like, what is your job? Like, what do you do? How do you think about it? What's valuable to you? What do you get passionate about? Anything? Sure. Um, well, uh, my style is kind of, um, first of all, what I do, I, I, I make primarily dinnerware um, for private patrons, restaurants, it's a marriage of two passions. Another thing I grew up just loving was cooking. And one of the I first one of the too. first jobs I had when I turned sixteen was at a really nice steakhouse in Provo. Um, By the way, I trashy, reached out to the good... Tupelo chef to oh. interview him. Oh no, kidding! Because I was spying on your Instagram. Okay, he hasn't responded. He's a busy man. If, He's but busy if guy. you know him, Chef Paging Chef Matt Harris. Matt Harris, yeah, I'll I'll. Um, when I bump into him okay. again, how's that? I, Great. <laughs> I, Sorry, even when I, I interrupted hear back you. From, no, no, you're fine. Um, he's doing a, a hell of a job up there. He's um, really young, really enthusiastic. And he's actually, uh, Sundance was, he interviewed with, with a New York station for the sake of Sundance, uh, something that aired during Sundance. Cool. Like, so he's really, he's really like taking that thing to the stratosphere and they've got their own gardens. And it's just beautiful. Like, yeah. It looks awesome. Oh my gosh. Go eat there. Every, I, every chance I can. I, I only like, learned about it like three days ago. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. From your Instagram. Well, so and he's got you. a, he's got pastry chef, uh, this, this lovely gal from England who cool. just, uh, you think of like the great British baking show yeah. and that style of, and she just does, things with flower flavors and, and Amazing. Just, it's crazy, crazy mixes well, of I'll things. I'll get her and, name from you too. Yeah. She's fantastic as well, but all my clients, I have to say anybody that's willing to put, let's face it. I mean, for them, it's money yeah. for them, for them, the clients that are willing to invest that money, it's because they're proud of what they're putting on the plates. Yeah. And they, I, I can sense it. Like I, I mean, I, I'm just imagine I'm projecting maybe a little, but I'm sure. imagining that like, you know, when you're saying, you know, it's, it's a, it's a marriage of two passions. I'm also imagining that you've kind of cultivated this world for yourself where like you're working with other hustling artists yeah, absolutely. all the time and kind of participating mm-hmm. in like these beautiful things, Well, the, which has to be very satisfying. It's awesome. And, and the, the backtrack to, I was probably still in high school when I thought, how cool would that be to design plates for yeah. chefs? And and the thing is, I got to give you some background. Utah, again, I won't name names, but Utah at the time had no good food. Period. I mean, I live here and I still sometimes feel that way. I'll make you a list because it's changed. Please do. It's changed. Yeah. But Utah at the time, I promise, again, I'll be very careful not to name names, but there was nothing. We're, I came from a big foodie family. My parents were subscribers to food and wine. We tried Sweet. all the recipes and 
travel to Europe, we'd always pick up stuff there. But um, once Wolfgang Puck, celebrity chef, put a restaurant in Vegas, Mm. that was kind of a renaissance for Vegas. Mm. Early 90s, Vegas was like bad buffet lines, you know? Um, Wolfgang Puck started, you know, he put something in and then, and then everybody kind of followed suit. And and now you can get a $400 meal down there. That's actually kind of worth $400. You know, there's, there's some great world, you know, celebrity chefs that have, you know, Ramsey's got a few things down there. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of, you know, uh, no boo. I mean, there's no shortage of great stuff in Vegas, but we would literally drive to Vegas or California to get what we considered a good meal. That's amazing. And that was, well, that was just part of travel. That's why we traveled. And and I think when no boo opened, my parents actually drove to Vegas for no boo. Wow. And that was, that was literally like, Hey, where are you guys going? They're like, well, we're going to no boo. I'm going to guess that that's also part of the reason you don't have art scars. (laughs) because your your parents are those kinds of people they yeah they they travel for their uh for their passions well travel is a passion but food is another reason that they letting the fact that they like make room for passion absolutely that's i think that's that was always it's really significant that was a good springboard i will say um so fast forward to um I hear that this restaurant called Forage, uh, that the the chefs had beat Bobby Flay on Iron Chef. And this is back when Bobby Flay was top of the world and Mm -hmm. so was Iron Chef. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, pardon my French, I kind of said bullshit, you know, and... and You can say bullshit. I can say bullshit here? Okay. As many times as you want to say bullshit. (laughs) Well, for the record, I'm formerly religious, so, you know, whatever. with you. So... (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Say say whatever you feel. Cool. All right. Well, it's, it's all going on the interwebs, right? Yes. Um, so literally within an hour, I heard that on the radio and within an hour I was, I was on the phone with them getting a reservation and I'd never spent over a hundred dollars on a meal for one person, you know, yeah. it was just like, you know, what's the table? You know, it's like, Oh, we just have a fixed tasting menu. In any case, by, by, by the time I got there, the two chefs that were on that show, one had sort of gone his own way. I guess he sort of remained this sort of silent co-owner, but it was really Bowman Brown's restaurant. And um, I bugged them for so long to be on the wait staff. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I was breaking down their door for like a yeah. year and they finally gave me the gig and I didn't realize that their servers worked every night of the week Wow! because it was one team, it was three people. Mm-hmm. And when you have 15 courses a night and you're changing two or three right, per gotta, night, you if you miss yeah. three or four days, sometimes it's a completely new menu. Yeah. And so there was a good reason that, that they wanted their staff there every night. Yeah. Well, I was trying to juggle that and I was teaching classes in Logan that summer mm. at the university and I just, within a week or two, realized that I couldn't, as as passionate as I am, I couldn't do an 80 hour, a fixed yeah. 80 hour week. Yeah. Fixed um, is an important word. Yeah. Fixed that. 80 hours is a, yeah. is too much. That's some Elon Musk stuff right there, you know? Yeah. So I, that, I just not, that's Steve Jobs, Elon Musk world yeah. where they're, you know, I just like, no, I'm not. You're not uh, a robot but, but on the way out, I, I noticed that he had. A, a few handmade plates and it's like kind of stirred this memory. It's mm. like, wow, wouldn't that be? Uh, and so I just threw it out. And I said, Hey, you know, while we're at it, I mean, it's really what I do for a living. I was teaching yeah. high school full time at the, at the, at the time. And I said, you know, I, I think you'd like my stuff and let me bring you yeah. a, a sample. And I, I'd been working in a really complex decorative style. If you scroll really far back on my Instagram, I used to mm. print um, archival 
Italian Renaissance documents on pottery. Wow. Yeah. It was beautiful, but it yeah. was very much in the world of decorative. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, sure. Not but like but I'd started already yeah. reducing it to like one single line and maybe like a square on a big yeah. white platter. So this idea of like unglazed pottery was already sort of stirring. Yeah. And I thought, well, why don't I just do raw clay yeah. plates for this guy? And and he, he saw it and didn't even, he, didn't, he didn't even flinch. He just said, yeah, cool. Well, we'll do the whole restaurant. Wow. And and again I, love I, it. I happened to know so that exciting. you know there was weeks he he could barely make his own rent, but yeah. he was so passionate about having the oh restaurant gosh. that he wanted. Yeah. That he uh you know over the next two and a half years we pretty well designed this you know 15 different sets of Wow. Things and so I, I had then I had a working portfolio that I could take to other chefs and yeah. forage at the time the last 3 or 4 years it was there. Um if you were a restaurateur, a foodie, or a chef, and you wanted to treat yourself to a meal, yeah, you went to Forge. And so that quickly snowballed into two, three, four clients. Yeah. And, wow. you know, and then with the Instagram and, and so forth, it sort of snowballed. Yeah. And now I have, you know, now I've got clients all over, more or less. Yeah. And, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's where the, that's where the world of minimalism story. started. And, and, you know, like the hero artists, like I said, the Fountainhead, the Ayn Rand, the world of like the hero artists. It's like I have not you, read that. Uh, I think every artist should. Um, I I love that her stuff is still so controversial, but I will say this: the Fountainhead is more about the the beauty of individuality than it is mm-hmm. about politics. I mean, there's like one page that's semi political towards the end. Yeah, but the book itself has way more to do, and it resonates with yeah. artists. Um, you know, her other books get really sort of that still stirs up heavy emotions yeah. in this world. I haven't world, read any but, of uh, them. I just, it's missed me. Yeah. Well, I know I, just I, enough to know that it, that she's controversial. Right. Uh, well, in, in any case, but the, regardless, you, re- I, I the, think every artist on the planet should read the fountainhead and just at least get what the point she's making about yeah. the, the purity of individuality. Hmm. Um, and so in that world, you know, there was this little twinge of pride, always when people wanted to do something collaborative. But when it came to food, that never pricked my pride because mm-hmm. I, th- I thought, you know what? I am creating the most beautiful canvases for, again, at the time when it was yeah. Bowman, for, for, you know, really, and, and he got me into fine dining. And I've eaten at the number one restaurant in the world twice. Uh, just depends on the year, the rankings. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's one in Italy and one in, in Manhattan. And I've honestly had meals at Forage that Bowman cooked that were better than both of those yeah, restaurants. Wow. Not necessarily individual. There, there's like individual at that level. There's like individual dishes where you're like, yeah. "Wow, you really got him on this one." Yeah. But if you're talking like the whole meal and the experience, I was yeah. just so honored to yeah. like. And sometimes I did food trade. Like I, yeah. I knew he couldn't afford to like pay me out of pocket because yeah. it was, it, you know, again he had almost exclusively hired culinary school grads, yeah. and so he had to pay them what he could. Sure. And you know, I, I knew that that was at his own expense. And so sometimes I'm just like, no, well, dude, that, I, we'll just run a tab. I'm going to eat there. Yeah. I probably ate there a handful of 12 times the wow. handful of years. And it's not a, it's not a cheap meal. That you know? gets it's, into that, this idea of like, what is success? And, you know, when people talk about like the starving artist or like, you know, in this kind of like very literal sense, you're not starving, you know, they're like, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. feeding you all this great food. But I mean, I'm like, you know, I realize this is just like, this is one moment in time or like one period of time. But, you know, I think, I think people have such a false premise sometimes when they're thinking about artists, you know, like money is a thing. 
all of these like people that you that you know people people meaning you know I don't know it's like no matter what kind of a choice you make at I think at least decade by decade mm-hmm. you trade a certain kind of wealth for another oh you know? absolutely we're building yeah. those things over time you know I spent my 20s making a lot of you know a, a relative a lot of money for an artist but I was like not doing good self-care sure you know so it's like yeah. it, it just yeah I, I I mean the world I'm it, depending on who you're at I, I would not use the word glamorous to describe my life but for me it is perfect and I it's think rich definitely and, some people would feel like there is glamour in your life well and that's to say you know that maybe the guy making six figures uh you know as a dentist and actually hates it and yeah. maybe looks at what i'm doing and says man i showed a major in art yeah or <laughs> like glamour is totally kind possible. of a loaded word but like certainly beauty sure you know certainly and certainly like a richness of meaning and a richness of like you know what you're involved in, like the, the general kind of input and output is such like high quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've really, I've stopped, I mean, this is kind of tying this into, you know, the origin story of what I'm doing now. It, any aspect of doing this. And, and I even really hated the idea early on as a potter of making like more than one of a piece yeah. You know, everybody wants to sit at the wheel and just, you know, bust out random sizes yeah. and like, oh, this one is going to a gallery and yeah. they're going to sell it for $5,000. And so, you know, I, 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 even in this world of pottery, I despise the idea of making like 50 of one plate. I hated that idea. Yeah. But again, for what I do now, it just, the word compromise doesn't really ever come into my vocabulary. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm, I'm co-creating these incredible experiences yes. at restaurants and again chefs like matt harris yeah. that um you know he could be he could be cooking anywhere in the world yeah. i think he wants you know and at any kind of five-star resort or whatever but he's just like no i want to have my own yeah. place and it's 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 tupelo and i want to tackle main street park city which is not an easy gig yeah it's not an easy um uh, month, monthly uh rent you know that's yeah. not a, that's a heavy oh, rent check to yeah. cut every month and he's killing it, you know, and yeah. and so that that's like you know when he it, and uh, you know it might only be every couple of years that he needs more of a certain plate or color, yeah. Um, but I love getting that e- the email or the sure, call from that like, guy. You know, it's like yeah, I would love to make you some more pieces. I mean, and there's never this because he knows what he's getting. He's never yeah. never barters over price. And again, most of my clients don't. They're they're kind of in this world of they get it, they get it, yeah. and and you know. Maybe there's a compromise. Like, can we pay out over a couple of months? And that's I'm, that. I'm always a yes on that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh, I get it as well. That you know, restaurants don't make nearly as much as people yeah. think. Uh, yeah. You know, most of them fail. Yeah. To be honest, that's just just like industry wide. I'm not saying. Sure. You know, my clients it's just, per se, but it's just yeah. It's just the reality of the industry, and so to to spend money on that, I I, I totally get that it's sometimes it's going to be sporadic, and you know, my my monthly income gets more consistent by getting more clients and, and sure. gratefully I haven't had to really do any online sales yet. It's pretty yeah. well, pretty well snowballed. And that's you know, awesome. Well, and that's why I feel like this, you know, what we're talking about is true. Like you have really like, you've built a great value system for yourself. You've built like, um, you know, you're healthy. Um, all of these kinds of things are in place where like now in terms of like, you know, dollars and cents, 
I just can't imagine that it's not just going to, you're working, you're like take, you're working on that piece in like this era. Right. Um, But I just, I think that's just something that I, we don't acknowledge it. And I don't mean as artists, I mean like just as a culture, like I think even the people that are, you know, making tons of money, there, there are things that everyone is neglecting. Sure. We're, we're, you know, I'd rather it be that. I, yeah. I'd I'd rather it be 10 K a month that I'm I'm neglecting. Even just what you were saying before, like, um, or when we were talking earlier about like talent and like, you know, the, the prodigy kind of a thing, you know, when, when, when Mozart's 10 and you're 20 and you're like, Oh, I'll never, well, you're only 10 years older yeah, than true. Mozart, it's you know? True. And in, in, in like a, what is now, you know, like an 80, 90 year lifespan, mm-hmm. who it's true. cares? Yeah. Give up that decade. Oh, absolutely. I, I TA'd for, uh, so in Florence, I TA'd for one of the, um, kind of in the world of like Renaissance architectural histories, really one of the biggies, um, his name's Ingersoll, Richard Ingersoll, hilarious guy, great guy to, you know, interned for, but he, he always made this, it's not even a joke. It's just sort of, I think just accepted in the world of architecture particularly. Yeah. But he said, architects all live into their nineties. They always have mm-hmm. because they'd never live to see their stuff made if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, wow. And it, you know, you got Michelangelo yeah. lived to almost 90 and his last 40 years, 30 years mostly was architecture. Frank Lloyd Wright was 95. The guy that did the glass pyramids for the Louvre just barely died at, wow. at like 102, this Japanese awesome. guy. So it's it's really quite common for, in, depending on the industry, for artists to just live, you know, again, Picasso lived pretty, yeah. pretty late as well. You but have I, to but in I just order agree that health your, is, yeah, for yeah. your stuff to come to fruition. And the world I'm entertaining now, like what's next for my business is, is uh, I, you know, and this is how you probably saw this on my Instagram page, but I've been identifying as a ceramic designer yeah, on purpose, yeah, very, very purposefully for a while, because I, I do think that once I get into this world of, of pressing and creating and team building and so forth, yeah. um, that, so here's where I can get lost for, for 12 hours a day and, and forget to eat or, yeah. or pee or, yeah. you know. I never forget to eat. <laughs> I did, when, I'm, when I'm working, it's like I'm actually upset. Like if I'm really into something, I'm actually upset I have to stop and go to the bathroom. Mm. It's like, damn it. All right, fine. I got to go piss. All right, I can relate to that, but I, I'm, yeah. never, I'm never upset about a snack break. <laughs> but I, I, it's awful. I'm, it's like speaking of like self-care. Goes, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about self-care is because when I'm really into it, yeah. that's the first thing to go. I don't and even drink water. Your whole life becomes like you know if I have an apprentice kicking around like hey if if the next four or five hours goes by and I haven't drank water stop me and tell me to drink water (laughs) but where when I'm designing like when I'm just like okay um, I recently designed a set of square dinnerware because it's more of in the world of casting or pressing that you would be able to do that it's not Mm. something you can do square pottery well you can do square pottery on a wheel but again it's been done before right yeah. and so, like, as I was designing these pieces, which kind of makes me more of a woodworker, I, I do my originals out of, like, a yeah. dense, medium-density I, I saw that board. a little on your... Yeah. You have some um, pictures of it, I think. But making those, or when I'm working on those or improving those, you know, I'll, I'll go in at 11 at night. Tunnel vision. No, yeah, I'll go to... You know, maybe I'm on the way home from the gym or on the way home from a date or something, and it's like... Well, I'll stop at the, I'll stop at the studio really quickly, and you know, put one quick layer of varnish yeah. on these guys so that I can cast them yeah. tomorrow. And then I think, oh no, I gotta get to do this. Yeah. Da, da, da. And like all of a sudden, too. it's four thirty in the morning. I feel like that when I'm writing. 
Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden it's four thirty in the morning. So I, I do like the idea and and you know, some industries that's that's kind of post industrialism, you, you have a you have these choices in art, right? And I don't think it's bad. But I, I, I like I look to the example of like Armani. Um I don't know that he ever sewed very much. I, yeah. I don't know that he ever yeah. um was a tailor per sure. se. Yeah. Um, I, again, I don't know enough about him, but, but, you know, I do know that from a very early on, he would help department stores pick out their lineup yeah. for each season. Yeah. And, and he's just been so he's good a, about he's saying a curator. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, but that's expansive. And I, I, I guess I've known for years that my scope in life was going to be, you know, much more expansive mm. than just like one piece at a time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I think long-term that does allow me for my own handmade work to say, yeah, I am going to charge $500 Absolutely. a place setting. When you, you know. were talking earlier about like, you know, I think you just barely touched on it and maybe didn't even feel the need to really acknowledge it because you're talking to another artist mm-hmm. and uh, we get it. But like this, this thing of like, oh, I, you know, always have to be making something original. I don't want to make 15 of one plate. Right. And I, 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 I see that like I, you know, in general and every once in a while, I wonder, I, you know, kind of wrestle with similar types of things. It's like a little different in music, but, um, but yeah, you can also see yourself as like a part of like a bigger, unique, you know, artistic organism that's now you and these chefs and Mm -hmm. these, you know, and and it's kind of like, you know, the, the ultimate like collaboration is the thing that's unique. Um, and even more so if you think about like, you know, the individual people who are like sitting and eating that food or off those plates and observing your, observing the things that you've made. Um, yeah. I I plan on doing both. I I will say that, but I I do think the identity of ceramic designer sort of sets people up ahead of time that, yeah, at some point I will have a line Yeah, just that's the CM label, you know, it's me. It's it's my label, it's my logo, it's my approval, and I've I've even looked into outsourcing ideas like yeah. where I, I either make the mold or I teach the, tell them how yeah. I want the mold made and then have them press it out. Um, and then obviously the people that are making like, I know this sounds weird, but there is such a thing as people that just like curate pottery for like crate and barrel. Yeah. And again, nothing wrong there. Um, but they are making them in Turkey or Bangladesh or China yeah. and there is a compromise in quality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I sort of looked into outsourcing for long enough just to see that for me to really feel represented as an artist, yeah. I was also going to have to oversee the manufacturing. Yeah. So that's why this like really long runway to yeah. get the plane off the ground, because yeah. I'm going to have to buy my own presses and sure. that's just going to take time. I do... <clears throat> I'm a good enough talker that I could get investors if I needed to. Mm. But again, there's that second level of like, well, then somebody's getting X amount of each plate for yeah. how long. And yeah. investors like the lifelong deal. Yeah. You know, they say, well, I'll do X, Y, and Z if right. I have a, 10% a for the life of the, yeah, or, of the machine yeah. or, or however that's going to work. And I get that from, an, you know, the closet business person in me says, I get that. But there is back to this idea of the fountainhead. There's enough of me in those yeah. pieces that it's mm. just like, no, I don't want, yeah. I will have, I'm happy to have my apprentices have a cut of that because yeah. they're making them and cleaning yeah. them and shipping them. They're part them. of your, they're part of my team, like yeah. my building thing. But to have a, 
And I've talked with a lot of chefs like this because, you know, starting a restaurant is no small yeah. thing either. Yeah. And this is pretty unanimous. They're like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's, it's a pain. Like I want to do fermented this, that, and the other, and that takes time. And it, yeah. I, I can't necessarily charge more per plate for yeah. just this one drop of vinegar that I've been right. fermenting for a year. Yeah. But I want to. And yeah. then my investors come in and say, what's all this, these extra hours for? Yeah. Why are we paying out for da-da-da? And it's like, yeah. it's hard to compromise those two worlds. Sure. And that's why I come I back it. to like, yeah. I felt so lucky to start off with Forage because, you know, he put in 100 hours a week if he had to so that yeah. the dishes came out the way he wanted them. Yeah. And that included buying, you know, pottery that was probably slightly out of his budget most of the time. Yeah. So it's a... But that's that's the world I'm tiptoeing into, and I, I do. But I do think I will always will um, keep doing ha original. Have pieces. handmade original things available. Well, it just seems like what you're doing is not closing doors that there's no reason for them to be closed. Right. Which is, I think, something that a lot of artists do. And then, you know, I think the artists who do close those kinds of doors, like you know, closing some doors because of like how it looks or how it seems or like some you know weird like cultural integrity or something right um then you know they get resentful and sure. also maybe are missing out on some of those collaborative opportunities yeah that can be really meaningful and can like you know help you kind of like refill that inspiration that then like bleeds back into mm -hmm. both original pieces and like you know kind of a bigger picture yeah well a lot of the world i'm, I'm working in that's expanding out of what I'm doing now. Obviously I've done a lot of work for, you know, Utah with the whole wedding thing. There's a lot of really yeah. famous florists that live in yeah. Utah. It's been fun to design for them. Cool. Um, more and more, there's more resorts opening in Park City and I've got, I've got clients up there that I'm starting, yeah. starting to work with, but I'm actually expanding this idea of, you know, it's collaborative, it's co-creation. Yeah. I want, I've been working on a clay recipe for large scale fermentation vessels. They're cool. called, they're called Amphora. Cool. Um, in the, but you got to think before French and German oak were the thing. You aged all your beers, wines, spirits, anything, et cetera. It was all done in Mediterranean terracotta. Mm. So I'm, I'm that's kind of my next thing is that's to great. develop really large scale pieces. Yeah. And again, I want to create these beautiful pieces yeah. and they will have a and cool function. function. Yeah. And then fast forward, cool. once I start working on that scale, uh, there's probably only three shops in the world, and they're all in the same city. It's called Jingdezhan in uh, China. And they do throw on a scale. It's two or three people working on one spinning piece of clay that's about five or 600 pounds. But wow. I want to be the only outfit, certainly domestically, yeah. and probably outside of China, yeah. that can do single-piece bathtubs. Sweet. So once I start getting on that scale of large amphora anyway, I'll probably have the kiln and the equipment and, and hopefully yeah. the overhead to make a few really expensive mistakes yeah. learning this world yeah. of like extra super large. But wow. uh, that's so cool. Yeah, the internet is has become the blessing there because people go to this city, film it, put it on YouTube, and yeah. then all of a sudden you think, wow, I never thought about that. You got yes. two people helping you throw. Again, it, it shits in the face of the Hero Potter thing, but yeah. you can oh, also, no. I've done it before, you, you can really get a lot more clay moved in like a fraction of the time when you've got yeah. a team. Yeah. And you've got three three people straight arming it and using yeah. their body weight to move around all this stuff. So I'm starting again, just tiptoeing. I finally got an yeah. oversized kiln. Um, cool. I've got a, the largest industrial wheel or, or wheel that's available commercially. And so 
Um, but I, I don't know. I'm really having fun in this world of like collaborative creation. Because if I'm doing bathtubs or even I've even talked to tile distributors, uh, yeah. you know, and making tiles and so forth, it, it's, I like that. It, you know, it's a designer saying, yeah. you know, yes. hopefully to their you yeah. know, seven figure, eight figure having client like, Hey, you really need a custom bathtub. And yes, <laughs> cause there are some designers out there that people say, okay, yeah, here's the check, you know? Um, but th that's just, it, it's collaborative and it's exciting. And, and, uh, I get to meet other people in the artistic community that are again, very passionate yeah. about what they're doing. Some of them are architects, some of them are designers, uh, you know, and again, some of them are like distributors that they work for. Yeah companies that distribute tile all over the Intermountain West. And, yeah. You know, these are kind of the exciting worlds well, I'm sort of tiptoeing into. And this way of thinking is like prepped for change and it's prepped for growth. It's yeah. prepped for like cultural change and technological change and, you know, taste change. Sure. So that I think is great. Okay. I want to talk about like three more things and sure. I, I just want to tell you what they are so that you could decide what, okay. how you, what you want to prioritize. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know, if you have any thoughts or experiences about like the nature of your work being like isolating, mm, okay. um, I think yeah. solopreneurs often have thoughts about that. Um, I'd love to hear maybe more about your kind of like, you've mentioned this like hero artist and I get that it's Anne Rand, but, <laughs> um, but I'd love to know like kind of just what you think about that and more about how that feels to you. And then, my podcast is called Artifice because I theorize that like there's always different things behind than in front right. for any kind of art. There's what you put on Instagram and there's what's not, there's what you charge and there's what's happening, you know, yeah. in all of these yeah. ways. And then, you know, in kind of a final way, there's like the product mm -hmm. and then there's yourself. And so maybe we've talked about the other things, but I'd like to know, like, how do you feel about that, like who I am versus what I make or what I do. Right. Um, how much of you is in it? Sure. Do you want to get specific about what of you is and what <laughs> isn't? Um, oh, that's funny. So you those asked are that. those are like those are three things. Okay, cool. Um, you're gonna have to help me with bullet points here because I lost them all. Um, so what was the first one? Isolation. Isolation. Okay. Yes. Hero. Um, hero. Artist. Yes. And and then that artifice idea of like, who are you and who's your art? So your isolation, idea? this is a fun one. Uh, incredibly isolating. Um, I, 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 at least work in, um, I share a warehouse with a granite, um, countertop guy. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And he's I thought got, you were just going to say granite countertop. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Me and a granite countertop. Well, sometimes it is just me kind of making a joke that no. it's just you and a granite countertop. Yeah. So his name is Atlas Granite and uh, he's in a similar world that I am. Like he could cool. totally expand his team. He gets to totally make more money than he does, but he does relatively small, um, in his case, very pricey jobs up in Deer Valley and Park City. And sometimes it's like, Hey, we want this this slab from Patagonia and it has to be translucent and cut a certain way. Wow. And, and yeah. but I love, I love sharing that space with them because it's even just on a bad day, you get together and gripe and a lot of your yeah. complaints are the same. What do you, you complain know? about? Um, I think, well, it addresses one of your, your next point is, is like most people don't get what's behind cutting a big granite slab yeah. into pieces and angles and polishing yeah. it. And, 
Um, it's like doubly isolating because you're like literally alone and also you're <laughs> yeah. misunderstood. Yeah. I, it, I feel it. Has it has its moments. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, but then sometimes we celebrate the victories, you know, it's like, hey, this is, this came in and da, da, da. And I, I was yeah. thinking this wasn't going to work. And then the check shows up in the mail the next yeah. day, you know, and, um, and I, again, ultimately where I, I do want to tiptoe into this world of ceramic design of making tiles and bathtubs and things of that nature, um, I think there's going to be some killer overlap with even our clientele yeah. at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it is isolating. And, you know, I was actually thinking about it yesterday that I'm a night owl. I'm rarely asleep before yeah. two in the morning, you know, it's usually yeah. between one and three in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just randomly like, you know, 11 or midnight sometime last night, I thought, man, I kind of want to like text somebody or chat or something. Yeah. And it's like a Thursday night at, 1130 you know midnight yeah. it's just like nobody's awake you know i feel that like i'm married and i feel that way yeah because i i yeah. same thing i mean i'm awake and my brain is going and i'm feeling creative because right. i tend to be a, a a nighttime creative person and i and then i'm looking over and my husband is like snoring and i'm like oh, i have all these like things i want to say <laughs> no i totally get it um, um yeah and it has its moments uh, as of late i've, I've uh, been pretty fortunate with uh, uh, an apprentice who's um kids are old enough that she's able to sort of leave the house for long periods of time and uh you know she was paying x amount of dollars per month at this sort of community whatever and said, you know, you get like five hour, five minutes a week with the instructor. And she's like, even, even yeah. sanding, f finishing your pieces, sanding them and watching you throw. She's like, I'm learning more. Yeah. And, and, you know, so occasionally I get these apprentices in yeah. and out of the studio and there actually is some company there, which yeah. is nice. Um, but, but that's an unpaid apprentice, yeah. which somehow there's just like, there's, that's nicer. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I do have paid apprentices and sometimes you have to deal with the second layer of frustration. It's yeah. like, okay, you just yeah. spent an hour sanding the wrong ones. Yeah. And I don't know how I could have been more clear. Yeah. And now I have to pay you for this hour that you didn't do the right thing, yeah. you know? And th that sort of, but see, it that's more in the world. It like of, kind of prevents you from like having kind of that, like, I know, like I really crave kind of like an artist to artist, like kind of like that, connection of souls and sort sure. of like a sure and I and I I also like I'm in a position where like I do a lot of hiring and mm. I teach a lot and so I I get like little hints of this type of connection that I know that I want yeah um but it's tricky when you're paying or being paid you know there's right. like there's like a there's like a power differential that like for whatever reason is it becomes less social yeah. It becomes less um it's less socially meaningful, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's more like having a coworker at that point. And what do you some think? coworkers are rad and some yeah. aren't, you know. What do you think would be like the ideal like you know, no no like practical parameters need apply, but sure. like the ideal kind of like type of you know, I don't know what word you want to use, but opposite of isolation. Like well, what is the what's the like, what's the name of the ache? Yeah, for you? well, I th I think in my world, it, it the word is expansion. So I'm yeah. As I, you know, it's it's like the chicken or the egg thing, but w whatever that looks like for me, whether it's like I get the big gig that says, okay, now I can actually just hire some full time people, or whether I 
team build in the world of like just getting people enrolled in what I'm doing yeah. with the premise that, okay, once we get the first big gig, then you start getting You're more paid. of like a, and yeah, sure. So then, you know, that and that's scary in its own right because it's this whole world of business and business building and team yeah. building that I, you know, outside of like teaching drumline, yeah. I never really got in college. Um, but that's where it starts to look a lot less isolating. And yeah. then, and then I know myself well enough to know that there's going to be days where yeah. I just kick everybody out and work, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, Mike Myers, the comedian, he said something really fascinating about his personality. Cause I think the question was about actors being relatively shy off camera. Yeah. And I Mike, mean, I think all artists, yeah. you know, and some of us end up in performing and sure, it, it is what it is. Sorry. But, no, no, you're good. He, he said this, he said, I'm a situation specific extrovert and like nothing has ever described yeah. me better because when yeah. I was a professor, like to me, that was a performance Yeah, and I loved it. And can I enter, especially with cell phone, you're competing with cell yeah. phones these days. Can yeah. you be entertaining enough for an hour and a half at yeah. a stint? Yeah. That people are still listening to you at the end. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a fun mm -hmm. game for mm -hmm. me to play. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I wanted to lock myself in a closet and meditate for 20 minutes and yeah. then sit at a wheel and throw pots and have nobody bother me. Yeah. And then, you know, my days off don't look like I'm out dancing and I'm out at bars. No, to me, like yeah. the day off is like Netflix and chill mm. by myself, mm -hmm. right? Netflix and wine basically is what it yeah. ends up being, <laughs> um, which is awesome as well. What was your second bullet point? I'm trying to recap um, here yeah okay so we i think we like we pretty cover, well cover covered the isolation like, yeah. thing yeah and it, then it yeah is. just <laughs> how do you feel i mean if you're being like honest like do you feel like a hero in your in oh, your world sure. or like what is you know do you feel like like called to be doing this or like you know what's the importance that you feel about it or yeah i um i, I mean i don't to be clear i don't have a huge ego about it. I'm very proud of what I've done, but in, in the world of, of making the decisions that you know will make you happy, yeah. regardless of whatever story yeah. you or your family or people around you have mm. in that world, I, I do consider my actions very courageous. Yeah. Um, heroic is maybe a stretch, but it certainly I takes that you like, you know, yeah, I'm assuming it, that part. Yeah. It took, yeah. It, it took courage. And, um, of course, uh, let me be clear. I don't have any baggage with my parents. Love my parents. But, but my dad came from this world of, you know, the, the, the steady job and the good provider was noble. And mm -hmm. uh, he really wanted me to stay teaching. Yeah. Um, of course, he wanted me to be a doctor. That's just like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's like just the thing, right? Parents have opinions about what their kids should do. Yes, and that's, there's not, I'm not do. making that yeah. wrong. I'm just saying that that's well, what's there typically. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I was the only one in the family that could have really hacked the grades and got through medical school and I just had no interest in it. And, yeah. and I, I think he and I have cleared this up over the years, but he, there was some clear trepidation on his part that, that even that I wanted to teach ceramics, you know, yeah. I was like, well, what about med school? You know, yeah. like, I don't, it's like zero yeah. interest in that. Yeah. Um, but you know, honestly, my dad works in, in Salt Lake a couple days a week and, you know, once a month he'll stop in and, and look, look around, poke his head around the studio yeah. and, and 
you know, he's not a man of like tons of words, but I think in no fewer words, he's, he's sort of just expressed that he, you know, he's you know, looking around the studio and it's like, oh, looks I like see. it's going to work out for see you. See what you've done. I think, yeah. I think that was like his version of like, Hey, this is really awesome. Yeah. Like you're making it work. And, but I remember those are the words. He just, just kind of looked yeah. around and sort of shrugged and said, yeah. I think it's going to work out for you, you know? And that was, that was actually big because, you know, I, I think for better, or for worse, parents represent a lot of those social pressures in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And again, I'm the, this, the, not, I love my parents to death. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I gave them a ride home from the airport yesterday. It was good to yeah. catch up with them. Um, but, so uh, anyway. in terms of this, like, you know, feeling kind of courageous about what you're doing, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is like, you know, you, you made a choice that was difficult to make that maybe people didn't understand, but you were like, I see it. I know it can be a thing. Right. And there's something that feels sort of triumphant about having, you know, maybe realized some of that. Yeah. Been your own kind of. Yeah. Advocate for, for for doing for just going with it yeah in in the the purest sense of the word I, I just i feel the need to clarify this because we use it differently you used it correctly in the sense that i am making it real yeah realizing yes uh, making it actual yeah. thing and that was i like the word powerful there like you just yeah. you have the power to, to use words yeah. and create something and have integrity to those words yeah. and that's the world of creating yeah and you know, it's, it doesn't always happen on the time frame you want. Yeah. I've been literally the, the, there was, he's moved now, but there was a local winemaker here that I was going to make those aging, those fermentation jars for. Yeah. And I did not realize when I started what the undertaking was, mm. that it was going to be years of figuring out the right kiln and the right yeah. way to fire them and so on and so forth. And at this point, he's actually bought a lot of land in California and he's moved out there now. Okay, yeah. So in the three years that it's taken me to tackle this problem, yeah. but now it's just a grudge match. And there's yeah, yeah, so many yeah. great distilleries and breweries in Salt mm. Lake that I'm like, no, I'm still, I gave my word to this thing. Yeah. I maybe didn't fulfill my word to him. And truthfully, we never sat down and made like a, a deadline. I, yeah. I almost wish he had, but um, ultimately I want my product to be in his vineyard, but it's just not going to be... Yeah this immediate thing. Like sure. I drive up the road and drop it off. Right. But, but just having spoken that again, I'm in this world of just like, yeah, it's, it's, you, that's where it's really powerful. You know, if we want to get biblical, I think that's what the yeah. very first chapter of, you know, uh, Genesis is getting at is that God spoke and, and it happened. Mm. And just depending on which version of that you, you sort of believe yeah, in or gravitate towards. Maybe like manifest and realize, or maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're great, sure. you know, they're both in that world of like, w what makes us truly awesome as, as humans is the ability that, to sort of project and say, this is what's going to happen. And then you put your efforts and energy to it. And it does yeah. at some point. When I see where like kind of individuality and individualism is like related to that, where, you know, just kind of having this gut instinct of like, yeah, this this program or this, you know, protocol that's, that's, that I'm supposed to do, that's like supposed to make me happy. I have this gut instinct and kind of just know that it's not, it's not going to be the thing. Right. Um, and then, you know, having kind of the courage, like you said, to sort of stick with that, I think is a big deal. Yeah. And whether it's courage or integrity or both. Yeah. Nothing in this world happens without it. I More think, like I, necessity I, even, you know? 
also. Yeah. Uh, but but whether it's any one of those three things, I'm I'm just realizing that at least to me and and the game that I'm playing now with my life, nothing happens without that. Yeah. Nothing happens without saying, I'm giving my word to this and yeah. move heaven or hell, stay up till five a.m. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah bartend a few nights a week, which yeah. is what I'm looking into now. It's like whatever I need to get done so that like the end result is what I've declared. That's the exciting. That's the thing awesome that's thing. triumphant and kind of yeah, heroic. That's yeah. courageous and heroic sure. and triumphant. And, um, you know, a lot of people never get there. Yeah. And, and so at the very least, I feel really proud of myself that, that I am, yeah. that I am here. You, you should, I Thank agree. You. What part of me is in the work was the last one, right? Or artifice. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of general sense. Yes. Um, I've actually never, I've shared this with people. I've never certainly recorded this particular Make it combo. public. Yeah, make it public. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is going to hurt my business or not. I still have to think about it. Um, you can, you can say whatever you want. I, I know. I'm just debating in case my parents ever listen to this podcast. What do you do, though, right? At some point, you're an adult. Um, I, I have an, a very intrinsically, like, very sort of innate sexual energy. Okay. And uh, serious as a heart attack, I was uh, selling my work at the farmer's market, and this beautiful girl walks by, um, stops at the booth, starts kind of picking things up. And it was one of those things, literally, as she was walking by, I was doing like the Jedi mind thing. I was like, please stop at my booth. You know, it was like <laughs> putting out beams. Yeah. I was like, please stop, please stop. And she did. And, and we chatted and, and um, uh, probably been chatting 10 or 15 minutes and asked her out for coffee and uh, dated there for a while. She's a dance major at the U and uh, we're still great friends, still in touch. Sweet. But she literally, that's the first thing she said about my work. Like when we actually got you know, second date or whatever. She said, actually, the first thing I thought when I walked into your booth was how sexual everything was. Hmm. And I, I just, I, I'd never really thought that I was projecting that into my work anyway. I mean, if yeah. anything, it's very minimalistic. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I don't know if it just lost half my clients right there that, that uh, maybe they don't want to serve on sexual plates. But I, I think probably, <laughs> in fact, everyone wants to. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But, um, and again, I, I don't, I don't conscientiously do that, but I, I, I do listen to like music that I consider sexual. You ever heard of Benny Benassi? The, uh, he's an Italian DJ, but his music is just notoriously, you know, what do you think it is like in, in, you know, that's translating like, I have no idea. Visually. I wish I knew. I um, Or do you think it's just maybe the overall kind of like aesthetic? Well, so in the world of, of like categorizing art. Yeah. You have minimalism, which is to a degree clearly what my stuff is, right? Yeah. There's no real decor. Yeah. I hate putting designs and frills and whatever. Yeah. I mean, I totally 180 from what I was doing 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but in, in this is more like what they consider Soviet architecture, but Soviet architecture was very much in that world of like form over function. And the term they used was brutalist. Okay. And something about that at least occurs to me as like fairly kind of blocky and masculine. And, yeah. I was going to say, almost I, can, sexual I can imagine like, something being like masculine or like, I mean, I, I, I looked through maybe like the last six months of your Instagram or something, sure. just oh, scrolling. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
So it's not, I mean, it's not to say like I've seen all of it or, or I'm sure like seeing a, like a lot in one place, like in real life also feels different, but yeah, I would, I can see that it would seem like masculine or seem like, I don't know, to have like strength. Sure. Which I think is like. Well, and texture is, is, um, I I guess I I shouldn't say that I've never talked about this. One of the first articles that Salt Lake Magazine did on me, the, the, the word that came out of my mouth was sensual. Because pottery is so unique as a craft that way yeah. that, you know, some of the most sensitive parts of your body, your lips, your tongue, your fingertips, um, they're really interacting in a very intimate way mm. with everything you're doing. Yeah. So I'm very conscientious of texture. Each color I do has a different texture. Yeah. Um, I'll even, depending on the client, sometimes without even asking them, I will finish I will finish the pieces at a at a different grit or a mm. different smoothness, just mm. based on what seems right for yeah. that for that restaurant or that yeah. context. That and sometimes that's, I yeah. do that without consulting the client. It's just like, no, this that, that needs to be smooth for this restaurant, yeah. or they need to be a little grittier for this one. Sure. Um, so th- there is this aspect, at the very least, of sensuality that yeah. comes into all of it, because you just don't you don't lick a countertop. You know, the yeah. guys that I share the the granite countertop dudes. You know that you you don't. You certainly touch it, and it's yeah. intimate that way. It's like furniture, right? Yeah. But you don't ever, I mean, outside of maybe glass blowing, if they're doing custom glass yeah. blown, whatever, you know, like you know, really is thin that a thing. Yeah, I you don't know. know. Well, and just in the sense yeah. of, uh, you know, champagne glasses and things sure, like that. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but pottery is is really unique that way. So even even the cups I make and stuff, I'm I'm so conscientious of the shape of the lip yeah, and how the shape of the lip on, uh, when I say lip, I mean the lip of the actual pot interacts with, um, you know, your, your mouth and your tongue, quite frankly. And uh, you just don't really have to think about that in many other crafts, you know, you you certainly think about it cooking, but then you're ingesting it. You need to think about it if you make saxophones. True. True. So, but, uh, but again, that's in the world of function. Yeah. And that's not saying it mine's better or theirs is worse. It's just sure. saying like, you know, yeah. it, it is, uh, use a cliche here from Utah. It, it's an extra mile kind of thing. It's something I think about yeah. in my work. And that feels like intentional in a, in like a personal way. Yeah. To you. Yeah. And so that's me and, and that, and just, you know, I guess over the years you just develop an aesthetic and that's both physical and visual and whatever. And well, I was and, thinking too, you know, you said that your like kind of lifestyle is kind of minimalist and that's like also oh, totally. true of your work. So I don't even have art in my house. Everybody always comments on that. I get in my apartment. It's like, there's no art on your walls. It's like, you know, just don't. The wall is, <laughs> I mean, I, I tend to usually feel like the wall is kind of the, you want your walls pretty. Yeah. So you don't need, yeah. but I have things hanging in this room and like, literally nowhere else in I've been staring house. at these cacti yeah. the whole time there's a painting of cacti on the wall yeah. here but anyway that that's just something that comes to mind as I've chatted with people about yeah. work over the years but bottom line is, is there's just this like there's this really deeply buried thing that you just look at something and you know when it's yeah. done yeah and that whatever that is that whether it's kind of, sensual sexual or yeah. minimalist or whatever you want to describe it as that's that's something that I don't I won't sell a piece if it doesn't have that. Okay. You know? yeah. I might put it on the discount shelf at the farmer's market for yeah. like, you know, bread and butter sales kind yeah. of a thing. But as far as it's like not... this client needs these pieces, I've, I've actually 
<laughs> having an apprentice is actually good because sometimes I, I do toss a lot of pieces and I'm like, no, it's just not right. Yeah. And sometimes it's actually good. The apprentice comes by and says, first of all, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. It's beautiful. You're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> the client's yeah. waiting for it. Just deliver the damn thing. And, you know, if they have feedback, accept the feedback. Yeah, but absolutely. so that's 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 starting to happen more often than not, which I think is is good for the sake of business, yeah, right? To have somebody great. look at it and say, Yeah, you just you're being too picky. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, we all do that, but of course. But yeah. Okay. So my last like question that I ask everyone is what's your dream collaboration or your dream project? And that's it. It it would be, I mean, for, for where I'm at right now, it, it would be... Um, yeah, you probably already have said it. Well, it, it would probably be uh, the bathtub thing uh, with... Who is the bathtub for? Do you have... Somebody like, who can afford them. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> so, well, it's it's in this world of like who can afford it and consequently, you know, you would assume if you can afford it, you can appreciate it too. Yeah. So yes. um, it's kind of like that. It's I, I always give the cliche answer. People say, what's the favorite piece you've ever done? And I always just say, it's whatever one I'm working on right now. Yeah. So as far as like collaboration, like I, I think ideally... You know, maybe a vineyard in California says, hey, here's this beautiful side to our cellar that's empty. Mm. And we mm-hmm. want to fill it with your clay pieces. Yeah. And here's a $100,000 down payment for, you know, 50 jars or yeah. or whatever the number is. I just threw a number out there. But yeah. or, or again, the designer that has, you know, three or four billionaires that he designs for and just says, like, yeah. I hate what bathtubs are available out yeah. there and here's a $50,000 check to get your kiln set up Yeah, and make me proud. That's great. You know, uh, one of the, one of the clients I'm working for right now is a resort up near park city called blue sky. It's opening here in about a week. Um, but their retail consultant, the guy that sort of consults on what they can put in their retail shop. Um, he's been great about that. And it's been a fantastic to work for because cool. he'll just send me a photo of like some generic bottles yeah. he found online and he just says, you know, we want something like this in your style. And I yeah. love that he's always putting that stipulation yeah. at the end. Like, yes, we're asking you to make something yeah. that's been made before. Yeah. And here's the photo. Like your and, version of this type of yeah, a function. And so, you know, honestly, to sit down and make all that stuff for him was just like a huge pleasure. Because yeah. I didn't have to worry like, oh, does he want it narrower? Or does he want it thicker? Does he yeah. want it heavier? I just That's felt great. like that was carte blanche to just do what I do. And it yeah. was, uh, it's been a really fun project. I've been working on it for a couple of months now. So those are fun. That's great. Bear's back in. He's here Hi, to tell us Andrew's home. Or that, it, or that it's time to wrap up. Yes. Okay. <laughs> What's your Instagram? What's your website? So my Instagram is uh, CM Ceramics. That's the Instagram. CM Ceramic Art is the website. Great. Um, website's going to pipe you into all of links to some other oh, podcasts okay. and some cool YouTube videos. Great. Um, a lot of publications on there. Um, Instagram's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I check cool. that as much as anything. I try to be on there once or twice a day just to Great. connect with people. Well, thank you so much. This was lovely. Thanks for letting me talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.